Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another evening of Friday Night Live. I am your one of your co-hosts, Mark Fittori, joined by Sean Floyd Pereira, the big black magic, as we call him, at the office. And uh, tonight, guys, what we're going to be talking about is what the top 1% do in market conditions, not only like this, but in good markets, bad markets, and everything in between. And today, it's more of a topic about mindset. And sure. what we want to do is obviously share with you guys not only what we go through, but also what, um, you know, some of our super experienced and uh, well veteran, I'll call them, investor clients do uh, from time to time. So, Sean, I'm going to lead by shooting a question your way today. Sure. And I know you've come across some super wealthy humans in the past, um, yourself included. Now, one thing we want to discuss, obviously, is is getting a quick understanding is do the top 1% of, let's say, the clientele that you deal with have a specific habit or a trait that seems to be common among all of them? Spot on. Good question. Um, I love the fact that we're first of all talking about this mm. because it's something that I know you and I are very passionate about. Mm. Um, getting into the crux of this, ladies and gentlemen, you better take this conversation today for tonight's Friday Night Live extremely seriously because the amount of gems that you can pick out of it might mean the difference between being actually wealthy when you die mm. versus being someone who was reminisced about at the bar going, he gave it a good shot. You know? Yeah, we mention that every time. We do. And, um, okay, going back to the question now, is there a trend? In reality, I think there is. And what do we find that commonly separates the top 1% in their own respective fields that we encounter on a day-to-day business in our investment world is I think trait number one is a level of healthy paranoia. Mm, Interesting. Now, this is very interesting. When I talk about a level of healthy paranoia, when I say healthy, healthy paranoia is about the fact that you know that your competition in your space is always on your back, mm. is always going to come after you for the next best innovative idea, the next best campaign, or mm. like in marketing, we like to call it producer, right? The next best innovative campaign. Yeah. What separates, I think, the top 1% that I've seen is the fact that they maintain a consistent level of healthy paranoia through good markets and bad markets. Now, mm. How is something like that done? Well, let's look at the the sort of market that we're in now. Uh, A couple of days ago, we got news that the interest rates went up all over again. So uh, officially one of the highest it's been in a very long period of time. What does that mean to a commoner out there? Mm. What it means to a commoner out there is properties becoming technically, as an investor, more unaffordable. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to someone who's at the top 1% of their field? Well, top 1% of their field don't really worry about, let's say, interest rate fluctuations because the average median income at a top 1% is always above 250, 280, 300 in in certain industries. Mm. What healthy level of paranoia does to certain investors is create a, I would call it a fake battle path or a fake plan of of action that, that if they're not reaching a level of potential that they could tap into, Mm they're feeling like they've let themselves down somewhere deep down. And and when I say they're feeling like they've let themselves down somewhere deep down, this is like comparing someone who could run a 100-meter race at, let's say, sub nine seconds, but is choosing not to because his competition is only running them at 10 seconds. Mm. So we, we've seen this during one flare of a, a top one percenter uh, perform during Usain Bolt, right? So he, he's running his Olympic race. Yep. We saw him showboat towards the end of his Olympic gold medal win. Mm. showboat for the last 15 or 20 metres, I think it was, where he started looking over the side and beating his chest. 
why would someone do that? Why would someone go, I'm not going to give my everything right now because I'm not actually pushed mm. to the limit that's forcing me to be where I'm supposed to be. Mm. If there were people that were neck and neck with him, would he have turned to the, the crowd and beat his chest? Probably not. Probably not, no. Yeah. Now, what pushes certain people to do that is we, we keep testing our personal comfort limits every single day. Mm. We realize that, okay, right now if the interest rates are rising, I can set aside um, X amount of dollars per month to, to weather the blow. If push comes to shove, what are most families going to do when it comes to risking their, their house that might go back to the bank? Most people, if, if let's say the roof over their children's heads were going to be at risk, are going to end up doing things like take up another job. Mm. They're going to take up extra sources of income. What I've noticed that the top 1% do is the healthy level of paranoia is that they decide to do those things before push comes to shove. Mm. And now when I'm saying before push comes to shove, they're maximizing their income at good economic times mm. and bad economic times. One of these clients that I onboarded recently has probably the healthiest level of paranoia, so much so to the point that it, it works backwards against them, yep. is they live in a suburb northwest of Sydney, they're mortgage-free, their combined family income's 400000 and they still till today don't believe when I've told them that families with that sort of income can sometimes only save $20,000 a year. These this family right now saves at least seventy five thousand dollars per annum net after mm -hmm. taxes after expenses. Mm -hmm. They were shocked to believe that 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 it's true that some families cannot save that amount of money. Mm. And a healthy level of paranoia for them is what was their first goal number one is buy a house get it mortgage free so that we don't have to worry about stress. Mm -hmm. What are they doing next is worrying about their kids' education. What are they doing next is worrying about what's their passive income going to be. And they're doing all this at the age of forty years old now. Do we know enough people that can get this done at the age of 40 years old? The answer is absolutely. But how many will? How many have the will to actually persevere through tough times? That's what I figured out is the difference between the top 1% mentality versus the bottom 99% or 97%. So what, what are your thoughts on something no, like that? That's very good point. I think that's um, something that probably most people that are watching this today would actually not expect to hear. Um, and, and, and I probably agree with you Look, 100% to be fair, because I think that is something that even myself, if I look back, um, have always been a big believer of. Uh, never never settling. There's a friend of mine, he's quite successful in sales coaching and that's one of his uh, main um, main lines is never settle, right? I really love that. And Unless I it's a real estate deal, we have to settle. <laughs> we those. have to settle, absolutely. But I think that that speaks volumes to me, what you've just said. You know, um, Again, completely agree. It's spot on. A lot of people don't do that because you're right. Let, let's say you, you get a nice boost of income, for example, at work and all of a sudden things feel hunky-dory and it's like, yeah, oh, look, you know, we'll just slot some cash away as an example. Slot some cash, slot some cash. You start falling into this shitty little habit, let's call it, right, where it, it starts to, to wither away. You lose that hunger. You lose that attack, you know, and that consistent attack is – uh, I guess how I like to put life is is like a boat. You know, as soon as you stop accelerating in a boat, right, it stops. Correct, almost. Yeah, yeah. It stops in the water. You don't. Have, there's no brakes on a boat. True. But there are. You know, the, the friction on the boat stops it. It's the exact same in life. I think with anything we do, uh, whether it be income earnings or family, being a father, whatever it is. You know, the moment you stop putting effort into something or whatever, it, it'll just come to a halt slowly. And I believe, you know. The, again, going back to the top 1% and, and having that mindset of, of, of healthy paranoia, let's call it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it is probably the, the key component that has got these people to where they are. Whether you're born into wealth or not, whether you're, um, you know, 
I guess, you know, super hungry, super motivated by money, love business, blah, blah, blah. If you don't have that paranoia, you'll never have that that hunger to kill, I think. Because again, the hunger to kill is one thing. You get a few wins under your belt, you feel good, you know, things are rolling, sweet, it feels cool. But that consistency comes from that paranoia 100%. I think as well something that I've seen, Sean, over the years is, you know, I guess, you know, the, the old saying of routines and habits and things like that, but it's true. You know, as cliche as it sounds, like holding these these patterns on your day-to-day routine, you know, and, and something probably that I've even noticed in myself uh, is that effort needs to be put in when you're in a top 1% into everything that you do from, you know, people need to most of the time these people do get criticised on, ah, oh, you're obsessed with this, you're this, you're, you're, too, you're too much with it, blah, 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 blah. And I think that needs to be applied to all of your life. You know, again, being a father, being a, uh, an investor, being a businessman, whatever you are, you need to be just as driven on all these, I guess, different avenues within life in order to be the top 1%. Because the top 1%, I think we can all agree, yes, all right, most of the time we'll classify them from a, sta- a financial status point of view, but what about the top 1% across everything in life? True. You know, Um going to the gym. You could be fantastic at business, but you could be a fat fuck, right? You know? Absolutely. And, and you know, you're shit in business. Uh, sorry, you're shit at fitness, but you're fantastic at business. Uh, yeah, right. So, you know, to me that that's, again, it's noble, great, take my hat off to you, but you, you when we see these people that I truly see as the top 1%, when they tick the box for everything and you go, wow, this guy's a powerhouse. Mm. They really do stand out. Mm. Even, the, even the energy in the room. Sure. When they walk in, you go, yeah, like I'm, I'm slightly intimidated by this person, you know, in, in a good way uh, because I feel like I can learn from this person even yeah. just by them having a general conversation to me. I think someone like that, personally speaking, or that I believe is like that, would be um, – Mr. Branson from Virgin, mm-hmm. you know, like that aura. He's not an aggressive person, let's say, but he's probably well-respected in business, obviously, where, you know, makes a decision, makes a call, everyone listens, you know, uh, and that's because they also see what he what he gets up to outside of just being a, you know, a businessman as well. You know, he strives to be the best in everything he can or at least, you know, give it 100% anyway, yeah. right? And a little, but, bit, a little bit of a curveball as well to you, Mark, is yeah. when we're talking about what's, what's some of the separating factors with, with the top 1%. Um, what do you think from your experience of knowing enough people that are in the top 1% of their own respective fields, mm. what do you feel is a defining factor when they have moments that don't go their way? Yeah, what do you think question. from a characteristics perspective when things don't go your way? And for everyone listening at home, this, if you were to take away anything we've spoken about for the last three years doing this thing, yeah. please pay attention to what's coming out now. I think that's a, uh, a awesome question. And I think, um, the one thing that they do, I believe, is that they just continue to carry on, all right? They are hurt, they are affected, but there is no show of it, number one, I, I think, all right? Number two, they can also have a reverse effect on it where they actually feel a bit motivated from it. You know, it's happened to me in the past, but the bounce back was so much stronger than the, you know, you, you take a couple of days to digest it, you, you, you do what you do with it, and you go, all right, pissed off, enough, let's move on. What's the next step? Because the reality is, guys, I think we can all agree, you know, everything in life is not forever. Mm. Everything, whether it's relationships, whether it's investing, whether it's, you know, being a father, for example, your children grow up, all of this stuff. Everything in this world does not last forever. And I believe, and, and I've been thinking about this over the last couple of years, is that when you finally come to terms with that, 
you know, you, you accept the fact that you get older. You accept the fact that you get gray hair, right? Things like that. You, you start to, I guess the, the, the truth comes out, let's say, and you start to accept it. You become more free, right? Free in the mind, right? Let's say when you're free in the mind, you're limitless, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when someone gives you a setback, whether it be business related, whether it be financial relationship, whatever it may be, those that are switched on as a one percenter, um, they are they are digesting it. They're not they're not walking away and going, oh, positive mindset doesn't affect me. Bullshit, because sure. that's rubbish. Sure. Yeah, they accept it. They take the cop it. They cop it. They mm. dwell on it. Mm. Let it sink in, but then use that as a fuel. Yeah, I've used that as a fuel in the past. Yeah. I'm sure you have as well. I resonate with you 100. Uh, I think I think it's like um, you know people say. In business, when you get knocked down, stand back up, stand back up. But one thing we've we've spoken about probably a couple of years ago was mm. that when we knew and anticipated that tough times would be ahead is every time you get knocked down for a bad week, a bad month or a bad year, stay down for a bit mm. and really understand why you got knocked down. Use that. Use that as fuel to the fire to decide what you want to do next. That way when you mm. stand back up, you're not just going to get knocked, up, knocked back down again. Yes. You're going to understand, you're going to anticipate, you're going yes. to preempt moves that are coming against you. Absolutely. It's um, funny, you know, on, on that topic as well, just quickly, Sean, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that the other day where I was thinking about life. Yeah. You know, we're getting deep here, right? But I was thinking <clears> about <throat> life in the sense that you might be ready for, you know, the next step in life and whatever that may be or you might cop a massive loss and you go, oh, this, this is not for me. You might have to censor out a few things, right? But, you know, this is not for me. I, I'm, I'm ready to, to try new things and whatnot. And, and, yeah, look, in life you need to to grow and expand and, and, and go to the next level in, in some respect. But there's never a, a green or a greener side. You know, we always expect that there's, you know, this green grass on the other side. There really isn't. We get there. And this goes to either married man or divorced man, single man, whatever. So true. People are looking for a relationship. People are looking to, to be single. So right? true. Right? And so th- true. Th- the reality is, is there's no, um, I mean, again, the honeymoon period in everything dies off. Yep. Even when we invest in real estate, true. the honeymoon period dies Very off. True. We buy the property. Yeah, we feel good, cool. We're getting properties now. Let's be real. And we're just not excited by it in a good way, right? Positive in a great way. way, which means we're doing them because we have to. We. That's right. It's part of our habits, sure. let's say. But it's know. like stocks, you know, we used to be really excited post COVID era, mm. seeing the rapid fluctuations of stocks. These days it's, it's second nature, it's habit. We understand the stock's going to do what they're going to do. Mm. If there was a 5% dip across every share in your portfolio tomorrow, would that rattle you? Probably not. No. You've been and seen through yes, worse, exactly. you know. No, I agree. I agree. And I think, yeah, look, going back to you know, what you're saying is getting knocked down, I think can be in, in some way, um, the greatest thing that people do need in life because we've, we've come across a lot of clients. Let's just talk about clients for a second Mm -hmm. that these people, uh, you know, they may have endured some, some strenuous times, but nothing enough to, to really slap them across the face. And those slaps in, in, in the face in life, what I believe personally are the greatest lessons because this is something that I've also realized as I'm getting older, you can't keep, Learning lessons and learning lessons mm. and learning lessons. Mm. Oh, you know, I'm getting there. Like you, you think you're 21 all the time. I'm learning yeah. lessons. Yeah. You're going to be 45. You're going to be 50, 60 years of age. Oh, I learned my lesson there. I shouldn't yeah. have done that. Yep. Hey, I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've made some big mistakes, some big hiccups in, in life. But, again, you got to come to a point where you then kind of, and I say this with respect, grip your balls and just say, hey, you know what? This is what it's supposed to be. I'm going to take the bull by the horns 
and, you know, understand my fate. You know, if I know that I'm doing something right or wrong, accept it, move forward and do it with with precision and do it right, you know. And the same goes with investing. Oh, look, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this back to investing mm-hmm. for a second here is that, again, we come across this all the time and, and you can comment on this a bit more. Like people are so afraid to pull the trigger, you know, in many different ways when it comes to investing and I feel like that also trickles into their life as well. I think, I, think, I, think, I think the people that, <clears throat> that reach the pinnacle of professions, sport, um, uh, business, mm-hmm. I, th- I think you, you, you reach a level where you realise that all your significant efforts are so insignificant in the grand scheme of things mm. that when you realise that uh, – because you, you'll notice this, a lot of the people that are at the bottom feeder chain of the pyramid mm. that assume that they're doing important things in the world, which is – Maybe data entry thinks that they shape the universe. Maybe the engineers that build our roads think they shape the universe. Maybe the great real estate developers that are mm. putting three skyscrapers up in one city think they're shaping the universe. Yeah. The minute they realize that if you just zoom out a little bit mm. and zoom out more than that and more than that, we get more and more insignificant as these things go by. I have a feeling that the ultra top 0.01% of their own field realize that aspect. Mm. of being so insignificant despite being, let's say you were the most significant thing on planet Earth. How insignificant? Big whoop. What does that mean? If you rewind the clock by 50 million light years, Mm. are you that significant now? Mm. Not really. So 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 when you you make the big small, Mm. it means that the tough conversations you have to have that you're putting off, the tough emails that you're procrastinating on, Mm. you realize what is the big deal? Mm. What is the big deal? And then you go, I'm just going to shoot my shot. I'll shoot the shit. I'll shoot my shot. And when I shoot my shot, what do I have to really lose? Mm. In life, what do you really have to lose? Yeah, sure, you'll stop breathing, but mm. isn't that going to happen anyway? It is, yeah. So I have a feeling there's there's this psychotic element of the top 1% that, that understand that there is insignificance in this significant game. Mm. And don't get me wrong, you find joy in, in things that are unrelated to success. You find joy yep. in breathing. I mean, if you're really good at meditating, you can find joy in being silent. Mm. We can't be silent for a living. For, for us, every day is 100 miles an hour in the mind, 100 miles an hour in, in speaking and, and yep. you know, emails and numbers and spreadsheets. I get it. But if we can make the big small, which is how significant is what we're doing anyway, and you realize that you don't have to take everything so damn personally, mm. just shoot your shot. You know, um, there was this this one guy who was um, yeah. doing a, a – I think I found it on, on – I don't know if producer Ryan shared it with me or we're having just a basic discussion about this. But the whole reason we're sitting on this table today is because there's been at least 25 or 55 generations before us that have survived mm. things that we could not imagine mm. for us to even be sitting here. Yep. And then human beings are afraid to go speak to the girl and, and ask her out for coffee across the road. <laughs> But you've survived generations. Do you get what I mean? You get what I mean? Absolutely. So the fact that we're here today, why are you afraid to shoot your shot? What's the worst that's going to happen? And on that note, so yeah. No, I'm joking. But, yeah, yeah, but, but you, you get know, what I mean? So, earth, it's amazing, yeah, what you're saying. So in business, we have to uh, – one thing that I used to struggle with, I'll be really candid for a moment, is very early in my career I used to personally struggle with this a lot, which was delivering bad news to my clientele. Mm. When I was very early on, I would never deliver bad news. I would always find someone to pull on over my shoulders and use as a shield and say, can you deliver the bad news for me? And, you know, because it wasn't my fault. It was never my fault. The things that I'm delivering bad news for today versus 10 years ago 
neither were my fault. Mm. Today I can still deliver the bad news. The reason I can deliver it is because what's the big deal? Mm. We need to collectively, you know, shield ourselves with empowerment going, is what you could have foreseen, could it have been avoided? Did you do everything in your control to make sure things went right? Great. Do things always go right when when you've done your planning? No. Absolutely not. So what are we afraid of? We're afraid of judgment. Mm. We're afraid of other people judging us. I think that's the other thing that separates the the top echelon of the 1% is Mm. that the level of outside judgment inward is not treated with respect and neither should it be. Mm. Um, We always grow up sometimes saying, I need to make this person proud. I need to make this person proud. I need this person to look up to me. Yep. Why are we running around for other people's validation? Again, speak my language. These are things that I've, Funnily enough, we're talking about this today, but these are things I've been dwelling on over the last probably twelve months. Yeah, you know, because it's some bigger picture type of stuff. You mm. know, and and again, it makes everything that we do seem so insignificant, as you mentioned as well. You know, and I think that is the beauty about it is that you know there there is one life on this earth. Mm-hmm. You know, some some believe not. We've got other lives and whatnot, but you know, right now we've got to take it for what it is and say that we've only got one crack at life. And again, we don't all have to be Elon Musk overnight or ever. You know but enjoy what we've got at the time and things like that. And, and again, uh, I, I spoke to you about it the other day, actually, Sean, is uh, McGregor Forever on Netflix. Yep. If you guys have watched it or haven't watched it, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. And I think on the basis that I recommend it is because it, it shows the best parts of, let's say, Conor McGregor in regards to mindset, I mm-hmm. think, anyway. That, that's what I noticed from this, this uh, four-part series. And for me, I mean, it was just the one thing that really stood out was he, he, he was – adamant on it and in, and his multiple interviews uh, from when he was young, even to today's date, talking about when I've had nothing besides uh, a welfare paycheck, my missus, I've got everything. Mm. And then the kids come and then it's just such an abundant mindset. Yep. And, he, and he says that openly. He says, guys, I give, uh, sorry, I, I always believe I've got everything. You could stop me from getting any more from where I've got today and I'll be the happiest man alive. And I think a lot of us, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well from time to time. You know, we can all fall into these traps where we want more and more and more. And there's nothing wrong with wanting more, you know, uh, in a very healthy manner. But, again, the, the the top 1% that we go back to, you know, it's not something that is their top of mind. Well, True. at least from what I've experienced anyway. You know, yes, there's a, a, a will, a desire, a hunger, 110%. But, you know, it's also admiring the world around you at the time and going, wow, you know. Look at what we've created. Mm-hmm. It could be a company that turns over $100 a year, True. but you're still proud of it, True. all right? And that is, you know, again, a, a top 1% mindset which continues driving you because, again, it's that appreciative uh, nature that you have for yourself as well as those around you and 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 everything that you've got at the time. You know, you could be bum broke from a, a dollar perspective, but you are so wealthy in the mind. And there are so many people that have, that have reached the upper echelons of life in – Wall Street, yep. business, real estate, and that have decided to go while they're still young and while they have breath, which is when I say young, I'm not talking about 30. I'm yeah. talking about 55, 60 to go. Mm. I'll park that. I'm mm. going to go get a cabin in the woods. Mm. I'm going to settle down with my border collie, yep. my missus, and I'm going to raise a beautiful family out here fishing and everything's paid for. And it's, it's, it's a basic life. Mm. Could they have decided to earn enough wealth to build a spaceship? Sure. Mm. But there are some people that I think reach certain levels in life where they find their own levels of contentment. And Mm. I think that's important for everyone is that they find their own version of that. Mm. Not the version that we were told, not the Mm. version that society has built us up to be. 
And not like you said, you know, not everyone needs to be Musk overnight. If there were, if everyone was a Musk, what would be special about being a Musk? Correct. Nothing. Correct. Everyone's just a Musk, right? Spot on. I love that. But uh, I think on that note, guys, we'll probably wrap that up. I think, that was, I think that, that was good. Beautiful. That was I good. Think it was heart touching. Yeah, heart I felt. enjoyed that, and I think it's something that, again, you know, those of you who are out there watching this, is something that you really need to consider. Like, put all the numbers aside. Put all the the wealth that you can amass and everything like that. Like, yeah, these things do happen. I mean, we're not we're not here to to tell porky pies or lies to our yeah. clients. We're here to give you the facts and and make it as clear as day so you understand what you're getting involved in. But I think, guys, you know, you need to sometimes take that further step back and just go, what am I doing all of this for at the end of the day? And just one recommendation I want to give to all the viewers listening today is, is go ahead, pick up a copy of either the audio book or the physical book called The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Yep. And it, it resonates really closely with what you had said about sometimes on whatever journey we are is to stop and smell the roses while you're on there. That piece in the book, once you get there, you'll know what I'm talking about, but I highly recommend you do it to mm. not say magically find a sense of purpose. Sometimes you can go 70 years just trying to find a purpose, but are you making up your mind to have a good time along the way? I think that's in our control. Mm. What might not be in our control is that we have the purpose laid out by God in front of us. Correct. Whether that's there or not, are we going to be content on the journey? Mm. That's our personal choice. I think as well, uh, you know, to, to, to add to that as well is is just, I mean, yeah, being content. But, you know, again, you, you've got to go back to your, your basic human elements. Mm. You know, we might want to have a, a portfolio by X and do this and do that. But, I mean, whether you need that or not, factor that in when you're investing into real estate. Mm-hmm. Taking this to a real estate perspective real quickly, guys, or an investment perspective, like just – really weigh up what do you want in life? What is your end goal? Where do you envision yourself? In a cabin in the woods or, you know, in the Taj Mahal, whatever it may be, right? Make up your mind and then say, right, I need that. So I know what I really truly do need. I don't want to just amass for the sake of amassing. And we say that all the time. So many people come to us and say, I need to have a portfolio that's so big. And you're like, hey, it's going to give you more passive income than what you earn now and you and you live a comfortable life now. You don't need that, especially when you get older. Let's be real. You're not spending as much, right? So- on that note, guys, I think is there a round robin today or? Not today. Not today. We're today was a heartfelt, a heartfelt one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. That's another Friday Night Live. I am Mark Vittori. This is Sean Floyd Pereira, and we will see you guys next week. God Enjoy. Bless.